Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Tonight we are talking to you about uh, a deck that Bruce and I wanted to talk about. You know? Uh, it's a deck that I took from uh, a pre-con, uh, upgraded a bit, took a bunch out, kind of scrapped a bunch, and built it up to 100 cards. It's my Sir Gwyn deck. Sir Gwyn, does she have a subtitle? Sir Gwyn, Hero of Ashvale. Hero of Ashvale. Which really says a whole lot about the place when the name of the place is Ashvale. Like, <laughs> it, it leaves a little to be desired. You know, it's not Sunnyvale. It's not, you know, uh, Glorious Tree Vale. It's not Golden Vale. <laughs> no, it's Ashvale. Like, you're the hero of an Ashen Vale. Mm. It, it, come on. Come on, Sir Gwyn. <laughs> I mean, she's a, a, a badass knight that's carrying a flaming sword. I wonder, is that sword, uh, and I'm going to quickly look this up because I just thought of it, is that sword Embercleave? Um, or more importantly, is that flaming sword the reason that Ashvale is Ash? Ooh, good questions for any of our uh, Vorthos listeners out there. I'm sure there are plenty of you. Um, anyway, let's start off with describing this card. Sir Gwyn, Hero of Ashvale, Legendary Creature, Human Knight. <clears throat> she costs three red, white, black. So six total for 5-5. Five, five. With Vigilance and Menace, whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, you draw a card and lose one life. Another line of text. Equipment you control have... Equip Knight Zero. So, any equipment you have, you can equip to a knight for zero mana, which is pretty cool. I thought that was interesting mostly because, I mean, so often when we value equipment, you know, we look at the equip costs as a big yeah. part of how you decide what equipment is worth it. And generally speaking, if the equip cost is over two, you're taking a long, hard look to make sure that this is going to be a piece of equipment that you're actually going to use that is that that has the value that comes with a three or a four equip cost or more. So if your deck is mostly knights, your equip costs are now zero. Okay, that opens up a whole new world of, of equipment for you. So Andy, I am looking forward to... Uh, going through the deck and seeing what sort of choices you've made and and and, and chatting about all this assuming you decided to put any equipment at all <laughs> uh surprisingly <laughs> uh there's 23 artifacts in this deck and i believe probably 20 of them i didn't count are uh equipment let's see one two well, to be fair i did count and there okay. are 17 pieces of equipment in this 17 deck. Okay. 17 that's perfect. Which, honestly, you know what? I'm going to jump right into my first question. Ha I know you've played this deck numerous times. So has 17 pieces of equipment been too much? Now, obviously, I've looked at the deck and I, you know, there are some pieces of equipment that are clearly designed to protect Sir Gwyn. There are some pieces of equipment that are there for, they have very specific purposes. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's a handful that are there just to make that creature or all of the creatures or however better on the attack. So yeah. if it was just 17 pieces of equipment that you were just looking to load onto, onto knights to make them <laughs> bigger and nastier or evasive, I'm confident that 17 would be too many. So tell us about your experience with, uh, with, this, with the deck. So I've 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 played this deck uh, four times. I've made minor tweaks here and there already. Right. Um, I I took the sixty cards that was the brawl deck. I stripped it of like I don't know a bunch of those cards. I think I ended up keeping uh, other than basic lands or other than lands. I ended up keeping sixteen total cards, uh, which is significant. Um, that said, uh, that's hardly a dent in what this deck can do um so out of the four time four ish times that i've played it i know that this deck is far from perfect um i don't expect it to be um and i think that what you've touched on is a a a definite drawback to what i have set up now um there is definitely a crap load of equipment that <laughs> I have definitely seen their share of just sitting there on the battlefield, whether it's because Sir Gwyn's not out yet or uh, have fallen off and I haven't had the chance to put them on to anything or found reasons to use them. Um, yeah, uh, I think some of them can go probably in place for creatures because I think that that's the biggest thing that I've found so far is that even at 26 creatures, which is, I mean, it's a quarter of the deck, people are expecting the creatures to get big very quickly, especially with the equipment, um, that it's very hard to get creatures to stick. So I think putting more creatures in would probably be helpful. And I think with, so I've, I've also played Sir Gwyn in kind of a hobbled together brawl deck on arena uh, a handful of times mm-hmm. and I always kind of find the same thing where uh, it's either very hard for your opponent to get rid of Sir Gwyn in which you're home free you kind of stack her up with all the equipment or kind of spread the equipment around to your other knights and you draw a lot you lose a bunch of life but ultimately you're this powerhouse that uh, kind of gets through or you can't get Sir Gwyn to stick and then it's just costing more and more and more and then the rest of your synergies fall apart because they were relying on you to have that draw engine or the equip cost be reduced. Having things like Hammer of Nizan I put in there um, makes not only Sir Gwyn that much easier to protect Right. But also, all of your equipments come in attached to something. For those who don't know, Hammer of Nizan, the first line of text says that whenever Hammer of Nizan or another equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach that equipment to target creature you control. So, you play that, equip it to Sir Gwyn, and after that, your equipment's just attached to things uh, as you cast them. Hammer of Nizan also work, would work nicely if when... Uh... When you find yourself in trouble with not being able to get Sir Gwyn out, just yeah, because definitely. at least you can get it equipped initially for free. Right. Yeah, um, and that was like partly the reason I put it in there. 
Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I got this in a pack of double masters. Uh, I don't think I would have found the card or, like otherwise. Right. Um, and the great thing is, once once Sir Gwyn is uh, protected, uh, you can just move your equipment freely, like willy nilly. Just uh, right. But yeah, because you can attack with a, a group of knights. And then as soon as, you know, if, if you had to tap them because they don't have vigilance, you can easily move that, move all of that equipment on to untapped knights that are there to yeah. block for you if and gain the benefit there. Um, yeah. Which is, in theory to me, something that equipment was always supposed to do, but rarely ever did because most of the time you swung with everyone. <laughs> so. Audric Lunark Marshall was one of the, the first additions for creatures i put in there i knew he wasn't a knight but i knew that he just ended like or if i had sir gwyn out with audric everything now is vigilance and menace it makes things much more murkier for my opponents in terms of blocking but also i then get to keep up all my blockers um same with indestructible flying etc so one of the other questions i had was so what sort of restrictions did you have when you put the deck together so um, when I when I first started putting this deck together, I had had the Brawl deck sitting on my shelf for a couple months. Uh, we were a couple months into, into quarantine, and I was like, I want to make something out of this. Uh, and I want to... Um, because I, I generally love doing uh, silly tribal things. Uh, not to say that Knights is a silly tribe... But, like, uh, I feel like tribes end up more or less falling into place. They're, like, really easy to build uh, for the most part. Um, because you, you can generally see very clear distinctions of, like, oh, these are the good knights, these are the bad knights, these things help knights do really well. Right. And I was like, you know what? I just kind of want to make an easy deck to put together that doesn't end up costing too much uh, and, like, I think if I was to buy this deck with nothing already, it would probably end up being a little much. Uh, and, honestly, the restrictions I ended up giving myself for this deck were, like, the same restrictions I end up usually giving myself for most decks, where it's like, alright, uh, most cards I want to keep under $2. I want to try to keep all cards under $5, and that doesn't count the cards i already have you know i i i've got a couple of the the shock lands i've got uh sword of war and peace so it was either like if i already have it great if it's under two dollars amazing uh right other than that it was like under five dollars and obviously there are some that are still above that but i was like i just want to get uh for a first draft or a second draft, I want to figure out where I want to go with this deck, see how it works out, and then refine it from there in terms of right. like de-optimizing it for my budget. Um, that makes sense. So we've mentioned it a couple of times already. Now, Sir Gwyn costs six. Yes. So how heavily does the deck rely on Sir Gwyn? Um. At first, it it relied pretty heavily on it. Like I had mentioned before, Audric was one of the first things I put in there because I wanted to spread that vigilance and menace around. There, I had a few 
things that give flying to my other creatures. Um, so Audric kind of helped out there. But other than that, it was a very knight-heavy deck um, and a very artifact-heavy deck. And then I started putting in the support pieces around it that also just kind of made my knights bigger, that made my equipments cheaper or uh, quicker. <laughs> um, you know, I have a few things like Cigar to Zade that make my uh, equipments come in with flash. Uh, right. So as soon as I was starting to add those support cards in, Sir Gwyn became less and less of like a huge presence. Um, so I think by like the second or third time I kind of looked at this deck, she wasn't super necessary for, for the win, uh, but she always helps out, especially with the equip costs. Her, her biggest downfall is absolutely her cost. Uh, I think I had mentioned this before, um, they're they're out of the four games there were probably two that i didn't have that six mana up front to get her out and going um which is a huge downfall if that's what you're trying to do uh with the hand that you're given at the beginning of the game um so that said i think the next step for me to do is to fix my lands i think i need to bring the total up to 40 it's at 36 now uh, if not that, bring up some of the other ramp cards. Cut back on the cards that I have seen not do as much. Uh, I, I've i got Zealous Persecution in there. I've had it in hand twice during the games that I've played. Once it didn't do as much as I wanted it to do. Uh, my creatures lived, but they really didn't get through. Um... And the second time, I knew that it wasn't going to do anything to help me, um, so I just kind of held it. It just was underwhelming. Yeah, and it's it's always interesting too because I think so. The f- first draft I made of this was between Throne of Eldraine and uh, Zendikar Rising. Uh, so after Zendikar Rising came out, I was like, there are some amazing equipments that could go in here. There are some amazing uh, equipment synergies that would be great. I added Akiri. I added uh, the the two equipments that I mentioned earlier, the Kite Sail and the, the Mall of the Skyclaves that give things flying. Um, and then... Um, I think I ended up adding a few Commander Legends cards uh, in the past like couple months. Right. I think the issue was was I wasn't looking too much at the cards that weren't doing anything, and I just ended up cutting like a land, and I was like, oh, I'm not gonna miss one land, and I ended up Uh-oh. cutting it down to 36. Uh-oh. Probably, I think the first time I made this, there was probably 38 lands, which isn't bad. Uh, it could be better. Well, I, I was looking at the land because I'm a land junkie. Um, yes, and. The, the three that I noticed weren't there. Um, so there's the Triome. Um, Savai. <clears throat> Savai. Um, I noticed that one wasn't there. And Cavern of Souls wasn't there. Now, obviously Cavern of Souls. There are all kinds of reasons not to run Cavern of Souls. I can think of 
many, many dollars worth of reasons to not run Cavern of Souls nowadays. Um, so I understand that. Um, was there, did you think about running Path of Ancestry or was that just not something that just wasn't considered? Um, I think Path of Ancestry was more so just, I hadn't thought of it, I think. And for those that are wondering, Path of Ancestry, uh, it's a land, it enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, you can tap it to add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. So it, in this case, it'll tap for any of the three colors. Uh, when that mana is spent to cast a creature spell, it shares a creature type with your commander, Scry 1. Um, when Path of Ancestry first came out, I felt like that this was a card that could go in almost any deck, uh, any commander deck, even if it was a one-color commander deck, because it just all it basically says is, um, use it to cast your commander, Scry 1. Mm. I mean, to me, that by itself was, was almost worth it. Maybe... Maybe the enter the battlefield tapped was enough of a of a of a downside, so that the scry one didn't make up for it. But man, it's pretty close. Um, <laughs> and then when you get it into a theme deck like this, where you're you're practically casting a knight almost every turn, so you would have the ability to scry one because you could use the path to cast each knight on each turn. Um, and it's not like the cost on this card is is all that high. I just think that it's a card that sort of slipped by the wayside in in, in the last few years. Um, yeah, I so. would say so. With Path of Ancestry, I feel like it it's a really strong card. I have used Path of Ancestry in a few of my tribal decks, and it works well if you remember to scry. And that's, <laughs> I think that 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 might be where I usually like kind of start to sour on it is that. I've used this card plenty of times. Right. And every single time, I always forget to scry. Yeah. And that's my own fault. Uh, yeah, I think that this would be a, a, a great include. But with with a six-cost commander, it is hard to put in those come-into-play tapped lands if you're going to be playing them after turn three. Uh, this deck, um, and partly the reason why I ended up putting in only 36 lands was that uh, this deck more or less tops off at five mana. Okay. Um, I think I've got five cards. I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can see that are, I can see a yeah. handful that are right around five, and then there's one. I've got maybe yeah, two I've or got three. Four that at, are at six. six. Okay. I've got four at six, and then I've got one at seven, but it's actually a split card, so it's two or five uh, okay. at seven at one, uh, and then. I've got five at five. So it's like a majority of my deck is uh, four or under. Um, granted, a lot of it's equipment uh, that I can just kind of throw down and right. hopefully something will be able to pick it up at some point. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, and one of the six cost is Circle of Loyalty, which costs less if you have more knights. So... Um, which is kind of why I brought the land count a little down. Um, but after using it a couple times, I was like, this land count needs to go up. <laughs> um, if only by two or three. Right. I don't think, I don't think I necessarily need the full 40, but 36 is too few. Um, now we've, we had already talked about the amount of equipment in the deck. Mm -hmm. Um, so where's your sun forger? 
Uh, virtually any deck that runs red and white that's focused on some kind of equipment almost always runs Sunforger. It's uh, a healthy little beat stick, and it also uh, lets you dig for all of the, you know, what seems like almost all of the instants whenever you need them. At least that's how it works in all of my opponent's decks. <laughs> so, um, you know, was that was that a conscious decision not to put it in, or <laughs> it was not, Bruce? Uh, and looking at it, uh, even even without the unequip. I think just the plus four plus oh makes it a great addition to this deck. Uh, this deck currently has eight instants of in it, seven of which are four cost or under. Right. And honestly, that if I had thought of it early in the process, I don't remember. If I had, uh, the tutor aspect might have been the issue that I had with it. Yeah. Um, usually those come in later for me right. if only because like i want to feel how the deck feels naturally rather than like like all right i'm gonna search for this thing to search for this thing and search for this thing and then i'm gonna pull out my win cons and play them uh rather than just kind of right and that's been part of the reason why i tend to run it less and less right. um one because i feel like i'm always going to find the same card uh two i regularly forget that it's a red or white instant <laughs> with a converted mana cost of four or less. Not any red or white instant. Not uh, any white instant or sorcery. Not, you know, I, I always seem to forget that. And then when I unequip it, then I realize, oh, so now to re-equip it, I need three more. So yeah. I always I always forget that part. And I was thinking to myself, well, with Sir Gwyn out, essentially you can equip it for free spend a red and a white to unequip, search for that instant, cast it without paying its mana cost, equip another, equip the same creature or another another knight for zero again, and then you can un unattach again. Yeah. So that, you know, if you want to cast two instants, it's going to cost you two red and two white as opposed to two red, two white, and three more to equip, which sort right. of really balances out the the cost savings at least for Sunforger. But um, I'm yeah. also with and you about the, uh, as far as tutoring goes, I prefer to keep my tutors <laughs> to an absolute minimum. Um, yeah. So. And I think like even the restrictions that it has when searching for those instants uh, don't really come up too much with this specific build. Um, I've got one instant that uh, because it looks at the CMC of the card, uh, it, you can't go get response resurgence uh, because it adds the f the the boros boros and the, the three red white uh, as a total of seven mana rather than two or five uh, because it's a split card. I mean, other than that, all of my instants, even the ones with black in them, are red or white, uh, which is pretty fun. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's nice. So like. No, that makes good sense. And you know, when it comes to equipment, the 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 thing is, there's always more. There's always right. more, and it's not even, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we listed off a handful of equipment, and I know I've you know, and I've seen the equipment that are that's in this deck, and I think to myself, you know, you could take out every single piece of equipment in this deck currently, 
and come up with an come up with that many more to put <laughs> back into it that you'd just be like yes so um you know i mean you've got some great stuff in here and uh, uh so i'm looking forward to talking about it however i know that we are reaching the halfway point and mm-hmm. it's uh i think it's time to throw it over to our sponsor yeah let's uh we'll we'll be right back This episode of Temple of a False Pod is brought to you by Nomad Outpost. I know you're thinking to yourself, where did I put my fire shrieker? They never seem to hang around. They're never where you need them. You're always looking for another one. Here at the Nomad Outpost, we've got your fire shriekers. We got there's piles of them in the back. They're just they're lined up, lined up for miles. Our stock on fire shriekers is unmatchable. If you're looking for fire shriekers, come check us out at the Nomad Outpost. We got fire shriekers, we got Colossus hammers, we got fan cheese blades, Argento armor, you name it, we've got it for all your equipment needs. Come check us out at the Nomad Outpost. We're right on the edge of the desert, at least for the next couple of days. These deals, they can't last forever. See you at the Nomad Outpost. Back to you. We're back. Thank you to our sponsor. Thank you to you, Bruce, for all your lovely questions so far. Hey, hey. I am pretty much done with questions. Oh. Uh, The questions I have from here on in are, I want to talk about these cool cards. Can we talk about these cool cards? Can we? We 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 sure can. Excellent. There's one card that jumped out at me right off the bat. So when I look through the deck... I mean, I've been playing Magic a long time. I recognize most of the cards. There were a couple that were a little bit like, what is that? Oh, okay, yeah, I remember. But virtually everything here is something that I have recognized from years of playing Magic. Except for one. Oh. This is the one card, and I have never, I've never heard of it, never seen it, never seen it played. Uh, Obviously, I hadn't seen it played. I've never even heard of it. Court (laughs) of Ire. What inspired you to put this card in here? This thing is freaking awesome. Obviously, it's recent because you you become the monarch, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you're the monarch, you're gonna you're gonna deal seven. I mean, immediately that's going to cause somebody to attack you to get rid of it to to take the monarch away from you. But um, I mean, even even without the monarch, two damage per turn. That's uh, that. That's to any target. So yeah, you can kill off a small creature. You can uh, you can ping a plane. You can hit a planeswalker. And if you get nothing better, you can just dome an opponent for two. Mm, um, beautiful. I have never heard of this card. So what what inspired this card to get into the deck? Um, the biggest inspiration was just. I mean, I was looking through Commander Legends cards that I wanted to buy. Um. I had decided I didn't want to get like a box just to have it sit here or I didn't want to get a box just to rip it open. So I was like, I'm going to pick out some singles that I want to get, keep a list, eventually buy them. Uh, and I went through, there's a cycle of enchantments give you that, that give you the monarch key that make you the monarch. You become the monarch. Uh, yeah, and make you the monarch. Yeah. And 
So I I think personally there needs to be more monarch in Commander just because it is it's a fun thing that keeps the game going and it's it's natural uh, card draw it it one hundred percent agree it uh, keeps people attacking rather than just kind of stalling out and waiting for their value engines to build up um and on top of it it does free damage um it does two at the beginning of your upkeep unless you're the monarch and then it does seven um which is pretty sweet it's a bit on the high end of the curve it's it's five minutes three and two red but like if you've got it great Um, yeah but i i honestly just want like i was looking at the cycle and i was like okay I want to get these ones because they give people the monarch and this red one just seems to fit the best of the three colors um, for this deck. Sure. Uh, Uh, The other one. Yes. Now, obviously, I've heard of this card, Overload. Um, Why did you choose Overload rather than the standard Vandal Blast? Because it seems like Vandal Blast is like an auto-include just because it has that option to destroy all of your opponent's artifacts. Now, I like the I like Overload for one mana at instant speed. That, that just solves problems. And mm. honestly, if it gets if it's an expensive artifact, it's only three mana. It's still instant speed. So, but why why the Overload instead of Vandal Blaster? Was that just um, the instant speed was definitely probably the biggest deciding factor. Right. Um, Vandal Blast is a, also a five dollar card. Okay. Um, so like that was the other thing, uh, and I was starting to build this deck when I was cataloging my my uh, <laughs> my collection, yeah. and I noticed I had you know a pile of them. So I was like, I think this would go great. Uh, also, on top of which, you're generally not going to pay the full three you're not going to kick it as much as you think you would uh, okay because the things that you want to hit are generally going to be things like swift foot boots uh lightning greaves somebody's soul ring to get, just get it out of there like right. they're going to be two or less most of the time there's definitely gonna be a lot of times you're gonna go for the full three uh in which case it's just too generic in a in a red uh, really easy to pay really easy right. to keep up uh, and best part is that it's instant uh, so if it's a thing that you were like I don't see this as much of a threat uh, and then they come at you with it whatever it is uh, right then you can use it then rather than yeah. kind of rather than covering your anticipate before, it. yeah yeah um, with some of the knights uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about my personal favorite. Um, I had a knight deck. It was a 60-card knight deck a while back. And Kinsbale Cavalier hmm. was the all-star in that deck. It wasn't even close. For those of you listening at home, uh, Kinsbale Cavalier is a four-mana uh, Kithkin knight. Uh, it's a 2-2 creature, and it says knight creatures you control have double strike, which does mean, in fact, Kinsbale Cavalier has double strike, but he gives it to all all the knights. Uh, this card was a powerhouse in my decks. 
Um, so much so that, and to tell you how long ago it was that this deck was, that my deck was built, um, that I often referred to it as LeBron, meaning the Cavaliers. Hmm. And this was before he ever went to the Heat and then came back. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I often referred to this one as LeBron or just King James, um, sort of fit keeping keeping with the the knights of the round the knights theme of of the deck but um so has kinsbale cavalier been an all-star for you or is it just or is this a, a creature that is from the past that's now just barely good enough to make it in i mean so it i haven't seen it come up yet uh in the four okay. games that i've played uh yeah. just by the nature of playing a hundred card singleton deck but yeah <laughs> um I mean, at three and a white, it, it's it's just well costed. Uh, it's 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 spicy. It it does a lot to a lot of my creatures. Um, right. Double strike. If you've <laughs> if you haven't played an EDH game where you give a bunch of your creatures double strike, it scares a lot of people. Uh, and it is. if. Yeah, yeah, it is fearsome. If anything, like if you have double strike and vigilance, you're on fire. Um, it you... makes it so hard for your opponents to block. Yes, because everything turns into chump blocking. You're killing off a lot of their creatures before their creatures even get to do any damage to you. Um, and then the ones that do survive through the first through first strike will almost invariably die on you know when the second round of damage comes in, and they may take a couple of the knights with them, but man, not many. And when you're talking about lifelink, you're also gaining all that life at that first damage step. So this isn't as though you know a two two a two two double strike gains you four life. It gains you two and then two more, and that. That does make a difference. Things happen in between those two steps mm -hmm. that can pump up a creature, or uh, you need the extra life total for whatever reason. Um, it even like the small creatures, like like Kinsbill Cavalier itself is a two-two. So on a normal attack, if it's not blocked, it's getting in for four, uh, and that's not nothing. Um, that adds up a lot. Uh, and especially if you have, say, two other creatures, it's just adding up to an extent that if you, that you're not being blocked, like you're quickly taking people out. Um, just a quick a quick race through, say, Kinsbale Cavalier with Mace of the Valiant on it. Mm. Now the Mace gets plus one plus one for each charge counter on Mace of the Valiant, and the creature gets vigilance. Now, it says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a charge counter on Mace of the Valiant. So let's assume that it gets it, it only has one counter on it. So the Kinsbale Cavalier gets plus one, plus one. So now it's a and three, vig, three. And Vig. Yeah. So now it's a 3-3 three, three Vigilant Double Striker. So just by getting plus one, it's doing two more damage because of the Double Strike. So all of your equipment that gives attack, that gives... Uh, any sort of bonus to your power is actually giving double that. So then you take something that's just stupid, like say, oh, I don't know, Colossus Hammer. <laughs> uh, I mean, 10-10 and loses flying. Okay, well, the Cavalier never had flying, so 
no downside. The equip cost is eight. Well, that's what Sir Gwyn is there for. Uh-huh. Now suddenly your cavalier is swinging in as a 12-12 double strike. That's a game ender if they don't block. Uh, it's just, you know, that's just yeah. miserable. And, you you know, it, it is very easy to forget, easy to look at a lot of these equipment. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, Colossus Hammer is the big one, but... Um, but it's very easy to look at some of the equipment and think, you know, plus two, plus two. I mean, nobody looks at uh, at the Sword of War and Peace and says, ooh, that plus two, plus two, that's huge. But it is. I mean, now your Cavalier's a 4-4 four, four double striker, along with all of the benefits that go along when it does damage with, war, with uh, Sword of War and Peace. It's just, it, you don't recognize just how good equipment gets with double strike until you swing a couple of times with creatures that have double strike and have equipment on them and it is impressive um yeah one of the other areas that i wanted to talk about um because i'm a token junkie Hmm. uh you've got you've got four different cards here that make knight tokens yes um which actually uh one that I had put in a different category uh, also makes tokens. Like I'm Silverwing Squadron. I, I love this card. Oh yeah, uh, a uh, a flying vigilant knight. It costs six, so it's not cheap. Um, but its power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control. Um, when it's it a attacks, six mana one one, right? <laughs> uh, and when it attacks, create a number of two two white knight creature tokens with vigilance equal to the number of opponents you have so so you've just suffered through a board wipe you play your you play your silver wing squadron for six on your next turn you attack you have three opponents you get three two two white knight creature tokens with vigilance and in the midst of the attack this thing goes from being a one one to a four four yeah and that's if it came in as a one one you know, yeah, and it's and it's unlikely you're going to be spending six mana to put this on the on the board by itself, uh, but it accumulates that fast. It grows that fast. Um, the other one I was looking at was the Circle of Loyalty, uh, where this spell costs uh, costs one less to cast for each knight you control. So you're never paying six for this because you're never playing it onto <laughs> a board where you don't have a knight out, right? So, you know, realistically, you're probably looking at four or three or less. Uh, your knights are all going to get plus one, plus one. And remember, we just talked about the, about the double strike and the importance of even plus one, plus one. Uh, and then whenever you catch a, cast a legendary spell, create a 2-2 two, two white knight creature token with vigilance. Well, the commander is legendary. And then there's Akiri and Rayev and uh, Sylvia Brightspear and you know and, and ariel ariel and, and uh black blade and, and 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 yeah. and it just keeps going down the list so it you're gonna you are gonna get at least a couple of, if if your opponents aren't going to remove this you will be getting multiple knights from this um and even if you don't for four mana you can tap it and make a two two white knight creature token with vigilance this is just an easy place to sink them you know, to sink your extra mana 
yeah. you know, at the end of your opponent's turn. So then you're suddenly getting that extra 2-2 two, two knight, which is actually a 3-3, three, three, because you're getting the plus and plus one from the circle of loyalty. Um, and it's coming up at the end of your opponent's turn, which means that essentially it has haste because nobody is able to plan around you playing that because they don't know what you're going to be doing with that mana until the end of the turn when you actually tap it and make the token. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can say that four mana is a lot to spend for a 2-2 knight. Uh, I say that you're getting a 3-3 knight with Vidge and four mana doesn't sound that bad. It's I not... mean, yeah, especially when the alternative is to just have four mana go to waste. Well, um, four mana go to waste... And on top of that, when you're playing a theme deck, if every single uh, creature in your deck is represented by a card, then it gets even harder to really take advantage of a lot of the theme options with the deck. You know, all knights get this, or all all of this creature type gets this. Oftentimes, you can't put out enough cards to really take advantage of that. Mm. So, so a card like Circle of Loyalty... It lets you really take advantage of that. You can where where you can start to take a a, a deck or a you know a creature type like knights, which isn't you know knights are not elves. They're not they're not sapperlings. They're not uh, they're not these they're not soldiers. They're not you know they're not going to be a theme that allows you to go super wide. But a card like Circle of Loyalty does allow you to get at least a little wide. It yeah. also allows you to recover a little faster. So if somebody does play, you know, uh, a mass removal spell on their turn, well, it means before your turn starts, you've at least got one knight out on the board already. Mm. So you could still swing, um, but you at least get a start. Yeah. Um, and Speaking of going wide, uh, yeah. one of my favorite cards that I put in here, as much of a greed play as it is, uh, Josu Vess Lich Knight which uh, is two and two black for a four or five with menace period like that is that in itself is amazing yeah uh but on top of that if you pay an extra five and a black so a total of seven generic and three black which is very hard to do i've never done it before total of right. 10 mana you also get eight two two black zombie knight creature tokens with menace so you're putting out you know uh, 20 power onto the board all of it with menace uh, yeah. um, it's a greed play but it's even at it's worst even at the 4 mana for 4-5 with menace it's right I would, I would tell you as a friend <laughs> if you're playing to optimize this, cre- the, this knight theme mm-hmm that Josu Vest belongs in the garbage pile. Mm, absolutely. Because, because realistically, Josu Vest is a 4-5 menace knight that costs 4. And two of those 4 are black mana. And I know this deck has you know some black in some of the costs, but generally not too black. Yeah. Uh, I think Sir Conrad is probably one of the other ones. But yeah. um, you know, when you're running a three-color deck... You definitely want to get your mana leaning in one direction or the other. Um, so that that third color is something that's more of a splash than anything else. Yeah. Um, however, Especially once you get to the third black pip, it's a well, little... 
and this is just it. A third black pip, you're spending uh, 10 mana for this. If you're spending 10 mana on one card, you, you want to be finishing. Um, yeah. And this one isn't finishing because uh, those, those zombie knights don't have haste. You know, all of this is then going to have to sit on the battlefield through an entire turn while everybody looks at your uh, 20 <laughs> points of, of combat damage. And that's assuming that there isn't anything on the battlefield that's going to pump those, those zombie knights, which, let's be honest here, there's going to be something. <laughs> or there isn't any equipment. There's going to be some equipment. Um, I mean, realistically, this is never going to make it around the board. I, I, and you already know this, folks. I'm not telling Andy, Andy anything. He doesn't already know about this. Uh, he wants to play for the Christmas land on this one. And you know what? Go for it. Go for it. Because at some point, someday, when he pulls this deck out 18 years from now, <laughs> and it will have been played 100 and, 150 times, and he's going to get to play that Josu Vest, and he's going to get to kick it. And he's going to be like, I know all this stuff's going to get killed. I don't care. I get to do it. And it's going to go all the way around the board. And nobody's going to have the answer. And then you're just going to say, waited 18 years. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. Um, yeah. So. Um, so before we wrap this up, I want to talk about two cards that I have found extremely surprisingly valuable in my times in red and white and those two cards Excellent. are cosmotronic wave <laughs> and bond of discipline cosmotronic wave has helped me win the game multiple times not necessarily with this deck but in general so cosmotronic wave is three in a red uh, and says cosmotronic wave it's a sorcery it says cosmotronic wave deals one damage to each creature your opponents control that doesn't matter Creatures your opponents control can't block this turn. All of your opponents. Yeah. Uh, Bond of Discipline, very similar. Four into white sorcery. Tap all creatures your opponents control. Uh, creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn. So essentially, all of your opponent's creatures can't block. And your creatures get lifelink. So it's, it's one more than Cosmetronic Wave. Uh, which is why I usually... Uh, lean a little heavier towards Cosmotronic Wave. Uh, but if you have a board full of creatures and you are having trouble getting through, especially if you know you have either lethal for one player or two players or just a big chunk of damage that you're like, you know what? It's time. It's time to do this. Uh, <clears throat> Cosmotronic Wave helps you out so much because they're never expecting it. They're never expecting... Like, they held up their creatures so that you wouldn't be able to attack them. And now you're being like, you know what? They can't block any of them. Uh, th that means that they would have to flash out creatures or use utility lands, etc. to get creatures out um, after this resolves. But a lot of the times, they're not expecting that. It also works really well in conjunction with Response Resurgence, where the Resurgence half gives uh, another combat phase uh, where, again, your opponent's creatures can't block. Uh, 
And it's just a card that I've fallen more and more in love with the more I use it. And it's like, I don't know, 25 cents. It's a common from one of the one of the Ravnica sets, probably guilds. It's just an excellent card that I have found much use, much great use out of it. And I just wanted to kind of get up on my soapbox and preach about it for a sec. <laughs> so Andy, I want to thank you for sharing your deck with all of us. Hey, um, you're I welcome. Know that, uh, thanks, yeah. thanks for letting me share. Hey, hey. Um, we, as, as always, as we say at the start of every one of our shows, uh, our decks are not optimized, um, but they sure as heck are fun. We don't, I don't recommend to anybody that you click on, click on the link and follow and, and go and check out, well, I recommend everybody go check out Andy's deck, but I don't <laughs> recommend that you copy the deck card for card. I wouldn't yeah. recommend that about any of Andy's decks or mine. Um, <laughs> These decks are not optimized. Um, they We offer this up as, uh, here are some cool card ideas that we have. Here's a cool deck idea that we have. Why don't you take it and make it your own? So uh, maybe Cosmotronic Wave isn't your deal, but maybe you've got something else that's kind of funky and weird and bizarre and uh, is a little off the beaten path. Maybe you've got your own uh, version of, you know, your overload, the equivalent of your overload card as opposed to the Vandal Blast. Um, take these decks for what they are. They're just suggestions, ideas for you, and, uh, and an opportunity for us to share some of the decks that we play with that, you know, that we have a really fun time playing with, so. And, like Bruce said, like I said at the beginning of the show, our decks aren't optimized. Plays sure as heck are fun. We are the Temple of the False Bud. Thank you so much for listening. I am Andy. I am Bruce. Have a good night. Bye. Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.